Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. First thing I want to do is welcome you here to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. If you're here for the first time, man, thank you so much for coming. We're in the second week of a series that we kicked off last Sunday called Follow the Leader. And what we're doing in this series is pretty simple. We're looking at the life of Jesus and we're picking up some leadership lessons that we can learn for our own lives. And we established last week that every single one of us is a leader, right? We're leading ourselves. We're leading others in some cases. Some of you are leading large groups of people, but we're leaders because leadership is influence. And anytime you have influence over another human being, you're leading them. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, am I being a good leader or a bad leader? And I'm excited about today because what we're going to do is we're going to learn some more of those life lessons or those principles that we can apply to our lives. Because today we're going to look at one of the most well-known miracles in the scripture, all right? And it's the feeding of the 5,000. Because I think in this story, there's a lot of life lessons that we can learn. In particular, there's several incredible leadership lessons we can apply to our life. And in this miracle, just like the other ones that Jesus performed, he was not only teaching, you know, his disciples some lessons in life, he's teaching his followers today, right? He wants us to learn certain things, how to live our lives, how to lead our lives, how to lead other people. Really, how do we make that influence that we have? How do we make that to really count in life? And and he was also preparing his disciples, right, that they uh, were going to lead the the world really to understand who Jesus was. That was going to be their role. They were going to lead basically a revolution to change the world. And so if you want to follow along with our notes today, I encourage you to download the Church Center app. You can uh, keep in contact with everything going on at the church through that app. But if you don't have the app, you can scan one of the QR codes on the side screen. Online campus, they'll send you a link that you can use to follow along with our notes. But I want to look first at how Jesus kind of sets this whole uh, miracle up in John chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. And here's how it starts. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Now, just a little bit prior to this, the disciples are worried about all the people that have gathered to hear from Jesus. And what they're worried about is how are we going to feed all these people? They're thinking about what everybody else is already thinking, hey, I'm hungry. And they're thinking we can't feed these people. Each of the gospels, this is what's on their mind is the problem at hand. Matthew 14, 15, here's just a glimpse into that. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Now, 
aside from the resurrection of Jesus, this is the only other miracle in the entire scripture that's in all four of the gospels. Did you know that? Which tells me, you know, God's trying to get something through to us. If it's in each of the four gospels as the resurrection was, there are important lessons in this uh, feeding of the 5,000 that God wants us to take away. Now, this week I went back and I read each of the gospel accounts from the King James Version of the Scripture. And, and to me, sometimes King James is, is harder for me to understand, but the only gospel that mentions anything other than 5,000 men being there, at least in the King James, is the book of Matthew. And Matthew says there was 5,000 men plus women and children. And then the New Living Translation, it says that in John as well, but not in the King James. So what Matthew's trying to point out now, and there's people that argue why, why did they only count the men and, and why did this happen this way? And there's a lot of different theological arguments. You know, I believe there was well beyond the 5,000 people there, if you count women and children. There was a, could have been 15 or 20,000 people at this miracle. Now, some people will say, well, there couldn't have been any women there because there wasn't any food, right? If, if, if women would have been involved, they would have been prepared. They would have actually packed a lunch for the whole family. Jesus wouldn't have been able to do a miracle, no. Um, but the, the point is, it was Matthew's probably trying to tell us it was way more than 5,000 people that Jesus fed. And I bet you those people that were in the crowd are like people that come to 11 o'clock church. And the pastor starts running a little long, you know, and they start looking at their watch, you know, and they're pointing to their watch, hey, Jesus, it's time to eat, buddy. You need, you need to cut this thing off. But Jesus sees this crowd, he's teaching, and then he turns to Philip and he says, hey, where can we buy food to feed all these people? And what Philip and the rest of the disciples don't realize is they're getting ready to see one of the most memorable things that Jesus ever did. They don't know that they're also going to get some incredible lessons on leadership and life that he ever taught, but they're going to see one of the most memorable miracles that Jesus ever performed. And here's the first thing that I believe Jesus was teaching them, and it's learning number one, don't look at the solution to a problem from only your abilities. In other words, don't measure the challenge in your life, the problem in your life, the impossible situation in your life only from your own abilities. Because if we only look at what we're capable of doing, if we only look at our own abilities, we'll often give up. We won't even try to solve the problem or we won't solve it in the, in the best way. And, and we also won't grow spiritually, which we're going to see in a minute. And that's essentially what, what Philip did. He measured the problem according to his ability, the other disciples' abilities. Well, you know, you have to work to get money to buy food, and, and we'd have to work for months uh, to, to be able to do that. And he basically gave up. John chapter 6, verse 7, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. He basically tells Jesus, uh, sorry, Jesus, but th this is an impossible situation. It's not going to happen this late in the day. He looked around. He knew the size of the crowd. He knew, you know, the disciples and, and their abilities. 
and he knew there wasn't any, you know, DoorDash or anywhere to get any food close by. He's like, this is impossible. And I think what we, what he's forgotten or, or he's yet to discover maybe is that Jesus loves impossible situations, right? Jesus loves impossible challenges. As a matter of fact, throughout our lifetimes, he puts us in things that seem impossible without him, right? He allows us to go through those things. Some of you would probably say today you're in an impossible situation. You're facing an impossible challenge in your life right now. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with a roommate or your business or your, your, your financial situation. Maybe you're facing a, an impossible situation as a leader in, in the workforce. But God allows these things in our life. Why does he do that? Why does, why does God allow these things to happen? And I think it provides the perfect test and the perfect challenge for us, which is also another leadership learning within this learning. We are going to be tested in life through the challenges and the difficulties we face through leadership. We're going to be tested, but it provides a perfect test for us. Are we going to trust the Lord? You know, it's easy to have faith and say, oh, I'm a follower of Christ and I got this faith and I know this and I know this. I tell people the hardest part about our faith is when we actually have to live it out. When we actually have to do what the scripture tells us to do. And I think those impossible situations provide for us the perfect test. Am I going to trust Jesus? Am I going to trust the Lord? And that's what Jesus was doing. He was testing Philip. He was testing the other disciples and he wanted them to grow through how he was testing them. And, and it's kind of pretty clear when you read the, the story that Jesus allows them to think through everything before he solves the problem, right? Before he performs the miracle. So you know they're struggling with what could possibly happen. These people are going to revolt. These people are going to trample us. You know, it's not going to be pretty when people get hangry you know, after they've just learned from the Lord. But again, God allows us to go through these things because he wants to test us. Are we going to trust him? And then he wants to grow us. We're going to grow in, in our faith. And he really, he wants, to, he wants to impact our hearts, right? Because if he can impact our heart, he's completely changed us. But we see once we go through challenges and difficulties in life, if we trust him, we come out on the other side stronger, and we come out on the other side more mature. So he puts us in these situations. One reason is to stretch our faith. Another reason uh, that he does that is to show us that he loves us. Because when we finally see God's answer to whatever difficulty we were going through, we, and it might not be the answer we want, right? But we see that he loved us all the way through that difficulty we were going through. And he never let us go. Sometimes we have to get way past that situation before we can look back and see, wow, God was there every step of the way. So in light of all this, the lesson is don't measure your challenges, your, your problems by your own abilities. And I think something that'll help us go home 
today, this afternoon, and write down whatever impossible situation you're facing right now. Whatever it is, just put it. You don't have to share it with anybody, but put it on a piece of paper and then draw an arrow from where you write it down and and write the word God. So the problem's over here. You got the arrow and God saying, I'm giving this to God and and then pray about it. God, I need your help. I need your strength. This is an impossible situation. I can't do this alone in my abilities. And when you physically write that down, what you're saying is, I'm not gonna look at this problem from just my own abilities. I am going to pass this test because I'm gonna trust the Lord. And then put that somewhere you'll see it regularly. Bathroom, drawer, mirror, someplace in your car. Again, you're just saying, I'm gonna trust the Lord fully. Here's another question I think we could ask ourselves. You know, we got the problem identified. We're we're turning it over to God. But ask yourself this question right now because it may be a different answer. What in your life have you decided that's too big for God to handle? Right? It's beyond your abilities, but now you've decided it's too big for God to handle. Or look at it, what have you been trying to solve just with your own ability. Again, the reason we have to go through these things, he also wants to remind us not only that our faith's going to grow and that he loves us, but that he's here for us. And he truly wants us to lean on him. That's what he desires. And when we connect with him, we're not only looking at ourselves and how to solve it. Here's the second leadership principle I think we can find, or life lesson we can find in this miracle is learning number two, don't look at a problem from only your available resources. You know, one way is my ability. I can handle this. I can do this. I can perform this. And the other thing is to look at what resources we have. And often we look at our available resources and we say, we make a call. We either have enough resources to do it or we don't have enough resources to do it. If we don't have enough resources to do it, we write it off. If we do, we go ahead and perform it. And that's exactly what the disciples did. Because we're going to read here in a minute, Jesus sends them out into the crowd. And he says, go find whatever food that you can find and and bring it back here. And in John chapter 6, verse 8 and 9, it explains what they found. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. And you got to love his next statement, but what good is that for this huge crowd? What good is that with this huge crowd? I love that statement because that is us. You know, we see the resources, well, that ain't going to cut it. You know, five loaves and two fish is not going to feed this crowd. And again, they're telling him it's an impossible situation. What they've yet to learn or they've forgotten already is that a little bit in the hands of Jesus is a lot, right? But if you look at Philip's response to the abilities, you know, we we could never work that many hours in this short a time to make that much money. And then from Andrew's statement, you know, what good is five loaves and two fish going to do? That's exactly how we respond often to our own problems and our difficulties. We look at it from what we can do on our own abilities and what we can do with our resources. Which begs another question, where have I decided 
that I have too little to make a difference? Ask yourself that question. Where have I decided that I have too little to make a difference? We often look at life that way all the time. You know, well, there's not enough of this, and there's not enough of that. There's not enough money. There's not enough time. There's not enough energy. And then we dictate our life based on how we answer that question. And it's a fill-in-the-blank question, or it's a fill-in-the-blank statement we, we say to ourselves all the time. You know, and the fill-in-the-blank is this, when I get more blank, then I will blank. Don't y'all look at me like I'm the only one that plays this game. Y'all play this game too, right? When I get enough energy, then I'm going to spend more time with my kids. When I get enough money, I'm going to give like I should, or I'm going to, you know, move here where I feel like I'm being called. When I get enough time, then I'll volunteer. When I get enough confidence, then I'll lead. When I get enough education, then I'll switch jobs. We do this all the time. When I get enough of this, then I'm going to do this. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You will never, ever, ever have enough. You'll never have enough resources to do whatever it is that God is calling you to do and what God wants to do in your life. And if you wait to have enough resources to be obedient to what Christ is calling you to do, you're never going to be faithful because we will never, ever have enough. The needs are always too great, and the resources are always too small, right? Some of you have great resources when it comes to money. It's not enough. Some of you have great resources when it comes to time. Your your business runs itself. You got a lot of free time. It's not enough. Some of you, like Tom and our first impressions, you got a lot of energy. You can't sit still, right? It's still not enough. The needs are always too great, and the resources are too small without God's help, without trusting Him with what we have. The the impact God wants to make in our life that's going to have eternal implications is far greater than the resources, no matter how great our resources are, that we have. So I think a lot of times... I do this, and you probably do this as well, just like the disciples looking at this big crowd of people that needs to be fed. We look at it, and we say, well, we don't, there's not enough of this, and there's not enough of this. It's impossible. We quickly forget, especially when it comes to resources, that God is perfectly capable of making up whatever you and I lack. Look at what he does with the fish and the loaves, John 6, 10 through 12. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men all alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. That's so incredible. And it's such a simple lesson. 
They gave Jesus what they had. Jesus divided it, and everyone was full. Whatever we have, when we give it to the Lord, it's more than enough. It's more than enough to do whatever he wants to do in and through our lives. When we trust God in those difficult circumstances to do more than we could ever imagine, he comes through. When we give him whatever little bit of ability or little bit of resources that we have. And listen, again, I said the resources are always short. Most cases, if not all cases, we don't have the resources to do whatever it is that God calls us to do, which sounds counterintuitive. You'd think, God, if you're calling me to do this in my life, why don't you just fill my wallet with money? Why don't you just send people all around me to carry out this vision you have for my life? Why don't you give me the energy to keep working on it all the time? And listen, this happened when multiple times when we started the church. 13 uh, years ago. And, you know, I looked at everything that had to be done. I looked at what all these things were going to cost and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, there's no way. This is impossible. We had no people. We had no money. We had no location. I didn't have a worship leader. I needed a worship leader. I felt like Justin, you know, was who God was leading me to. But I had no money to pay him. Listen, if I had to lead worship and speak, this church would still be running four people, me, my wife, and my two kids, because I'd force them to come to church, right? <laughs> so I'm like, God, we got a problem here. I mean, we had just, I just started to, to tell people about what I was going to do. It wasn't like there was any money coming in, and, I'm, and God's saying, this is the person that you need to get to, to lead worship at the church. And so I called a buddy of mine who's a retired pastor now, and he, you're talking about a straight shooter. You'll be like, is this guy really a pastor? But he is. And he, he, he's so wise in, in, in his understanding of the Scripture. And he's like, well, Scott, did, did God call you to start that church? I'm like, yes, 100% confident. He said, well, did he give you any money? I'm like, not yet. He's like, well, how much money do you have? I'm like, oh, this, this just got real, <laughs> Right? And how much, do you, how much money do you and your wife have? And I, I told him, you know, what was in my emergency fund and what I could get my hands on in my 401k. And he said, that's how much you're paying. I'm like, really? He said, yeah. And he said, what you're going to see is God is going to multiply your faith. And God is going to multiply your resources. And, you know, after I had the conversation with Justin, a little bit started coming in. And God paid our bills every single week. It was, it's not like we had excess, but he knew. He multiplied the little teeny tiny bit of faith that I had that he was calling me to do this, and he multiplied it, and it was enough. And that's exactly what we see all throughout the Scripture. If we really pay attention in our life, that's what we see in our lives. But it makes it a lot more difficult on us, doesn't it? But think about it like this. If we had all the time and we had all the energy and we had all the money, then we would never give God a second look. We would lean on our own understanding. We'd have a problem in our life and we'd look to ourselves. But because we face difficulties that we can't solve on our own, we can't do it with our abilities, we can't do it with our limited resources, our faith grows. 
And what we have to do, like those disciples had to do, we have to trust God with whatever little bit we have and with whatever little bit we give him. Because he'll take our little and he can do more with it than we could ever do by ourselves or we could ever imagine. But it starts with trusting him. Here's another learning. Learning number three, we can use what little we have to show how great God is. And he he uses whatever we give him, right? It's not like he took this little boy's lunch and threw it in the trash. It's like, we're not having fish and bread today. You wait. You know, we're having chicken wings. He didn't say that. He took what the little boy had and he used it to do something greater. He used it to meet every single person's need. And that's what he did. So we give him a little bit of faith and he'll use it. We give him a little bit of ability, he's going to use it. We give him a little bit of resources, he's going to use it for greater things. So I think another question we have to ask ourselves is where could God use me in my current problem, my impossible situation, my difficulty? Where could God use me to show his greatness in the world? Where could what I'm going through be used to be a beacon of light towards God's greatness? We got to ask ourselves that question because he will take what little we have and he'll do more than we could ever possibly imagine. So we have to trust him. We can't look at things just from what we can do, just from our abilities, just from our resources. Because a little bit in the hands of our Lord is more than enough. And you know, what we're talking about in this series, just these leadership lessons for life that we can apply in our lives to be the leaders that Christ expects us to be, it starts with following the leader. It really does. It starts with us following Christ. We can't really transform our life into trusting Christ until we have a relationship with him. And it begins with trusting him for the forgiveness of our sins, right? It begins with trusting him for eternal life. And I want to encourage you, if you've never done that, man, maybe today's the day for you. Say, you know what? I'm just going to start following the true leader. I'm going to finally surrender my life to Christ. That's all he wants is a little bit of faith on your part and he'll do the rest. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, close us out in prayer, and then we're going to, I'll introduce a video we're going to watch together. But let's, let's pray together. God, uh, first of all, thank you that you use what little bit we have to do incredible things. Lord, I, I, I can see things in my own life. I'm sure people here can see things in their life where they had to trust you. They had no other way to turn and how you came through in a mighty way. Forgive us when we don't look to you and we look at our own abilities and resources and talents to do things in life. Lord, challenges, big or small, help us to realize you're there with us and you're there for us every step of the way. We just have to trust you. And Lord, as a a church family, help us to continue to do great things. Lord, it's amazing what you've done in and through all of us, through the little that we have, the little ability and resources we have, the the great things you've done. We want to continue to be a part of that. 
And maybe you're watching from home or you're here and, and you've never said yes to Christ. You've never trusted him to be the leader of your life. Maybe you thought you had to perform your way into God's grace or you had to stop acting, you had to start acting differently before Christ was going to accept you. Man, he meets us wherever we're at in life. He just wants us to have a relationship with him, but he gives us the choice of whether we want that relationship or not. And if that's you today and you do, man, just open your heart and say, Jesus, come in. You start being the leader of my life, and he'll do that. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. The first thing is thank you so much for investing, really, in the next generation in these kids. I mean, their life has changed because of what's going on on Wednesday nights and what's go, you know what happened at Passion Camp they went to in July, and a lot of you were a big part of that. And I want to encourage you, if you've got kids in this age group, encourage them to come out on a Wednesday night. Uh, Passion Camp sign-up starts now. Now, we took 40 kids and 10 adults last year, and this year we doubled the number of spaces we were able to get from Passion. And it's, it's the biggest and probably, it is definitely the most popular youth camp in the United States. And so we were able to get 80 slots for kids and 20 slots for adults. So I encourage you, if you're going to sign your kid up, go ahead and sign them up for that. But a, a huge deal, the difference that you're making uh, in the life of these kids. And so I thank you for that. The next thing I wanted to let you know about was group signups start today. And, you know, we talked last week in, in the first leadership lessons of Jesus, he had people around him, right? He had this disciples of 12, and then he whittled that down to three. And, and there's times at life we need people around us to do life together. And it's not a life sentence. They're, most of them are six to eight weeks long, and then they end. And then when they start back in January, you can get in another group if you choose. But I encourage you to check those groups out on our website or stop by one, uh, the table, Cody's out there. Don't make him be lonely. Stop by and ask him some technical question, even if you don't even have a question. Um, but I encourage you to get in, in a group. Again, I can't thank you for uh, enough for everything that you do, your prayers. I hope you have a great Sunday. I hope you have a great week, and you'll come back and see us next week. God bless you guys.